So the, the title of, of this message is From the Comfort Zone to the Combat Zone. And uh, we've already been in this, but I just, as, we were, as I was praying on Wednesday, I just heard these words that I think we thought we were in the combat zone. We were actually just kind of getting our feet wet. And we're like, oh, there's a lot more that the Lord actually has for us. And, and it, here's the thing. I want to give you the overall picture here. It, I'm not trying to set up a new way of church. We're not going to do, like what we've been in for this past month as we've been uh, coming in here, getting commissioned and going out. That commissioning is not a, a Sunday event. What the Lord is doing is, is I believe, as I'm looking back here, and we're just kind of going week to week, but he is, he is setting us up for success. He's actually, this is preparing the way of the Lord. He's preparing us for what he wants us to, to understand so that he can move in and through us. And so it requires that we actually, week by week, day by day, that we're listening to him. But this commissioning and this going out, this is a daily thing that we're to do. In all that we do, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey that we're in. And so that we don't, when we go to the grocery store, it's not about going to the grocery store. It's, Lord, what do you want to do? On the way to the store, well, I'm in the store. When I leave the store, what are you doing? And how do I partner with you in that? That's what the commission is all about. When, he, when it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded, it, it's, and then he says, and surely I will be with you always. He's with us. He's the one that empowers us. Our job is not to make things happen. Our job is just to, to listen and then obey. Hear and then listen. Our kids are great at hearing. They're not very good at listening. <laughs> There's a big difference. Uh, yeah, I won't go into that. I have one of them here. <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin's not Caitlin. She's special. <laughs> Our other two kids, right, Caitlin? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Okay, so, so we're in this, we've been in this season of, of understanding how to operate in just listening to the Spirit wherever we go. And I'll just say, it, it, this has not been like, okay, go out and do this just so we can check off a box and go, well, that was good, we did it. Um, again, it's, it's a new mindset that the Lord's giving us. But um, I feel like there's another, there's a shift that we're moving into now. More changes. You guys like change? <laughs> I like the 5% that likes change. <laughs> Everybody else is like, no. <laughs> we are never meant to be comfortable. When we get comfortable, there's a complacency that, that, that sets in. And, uh, and we actually step out of the things that are of the Lord. And this has been the church. The church has gotten way too comfortable. We are so set in tradition that we actually forfeit the very things that, the, that God wants us to do. And, and, I, and we're just not going to do it, which means that don't ever expect the same thing on a Sunday morning or any other day of the week. Because we're just going to go, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it? And he's going to lead us week to week. And it's, this is the new wineskin that we've been talking about. A wineskin that's new actually has the Holy Spirit interwoven into it. 
and it remains flexible, which remains it's, it's always moving. It's always expanding and contracting versus a, an old wineskin is set in its ways, right? It's rigid. And when you pour new wine into an old wineskin, what happens? It breaks. Why? Because there's gases in the wine that try to expand, and if it's a rigid wineskin, it breaks, and then you lose all the wine. If you look at Scripture, God is always pouring out new wine. There's never a scripture that I'm aware of. You can call me out if I'm wrong. I don't know of a scripture in the entire 66 books of the Bible where it says God's pouring out old wine. He's always pouring out new wine. And if you're going to house a new wine, it requires a new wineskin. There's one place where it says, um, he talks about the wineskin, and then at the end it says, but, but they say the old is better. And that's been misinterpreted sometimes as like, oh, the old wine is good. The old wine is not good. The old wine is the things that we go back to, the traditions of man that actually nullify the word of God. So don't get caught in old wineskins. Don't get caught in traditions. Don't get caught in, in comfort and in doing the same thing over and over again because it just feels comfortable. It's that cup of coffee, right? If you miss your cup of coffee in the morning, the day is going to be a disaster, Right? That's the mindset, and it's the same thing in traditions is there's the traditions of man that actually stop the things of the Lord. So I, I want you to hear this scripture. Uh, Lord, just, revealed, just this morning as I was praying, he showed me this. Um, he said, so Isaiah, so it's not, there's, it's not up here, sorry, but it's Isaiah 48, 6 and 7. You can just listen to this. It says, you have heard... Now see all this, and will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. You have not heard of them before today, so you cannot say, yes, I knew of them. This is the Holy Spirit. He is always doing a new thing. He doesn't go back to the old. It's, the, it's Isaiah 43. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Forget the former things. Not that they were bad, but it's, it's the former things. And if we go back to them, we actually create an old wineskin. We set things in place and we say, this is the way it needs to be. This is the way it worked. The church is so good at that. We're so good at, at seeing how things worked before writing a book about it and setting our ways so that we hope that the Lord will move in the same way that he did before. And if we can recreate what happened then, maybe we can pull down the spirit and make God move. And it doesn't work like that. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's actually the new is coming. It's that kind of present progressive. And, and that new is a, it's the same word used for the new covenant. It's the same word used for new wineskins. And so in this same way, we are a new creation that remains new, constantly renewed, and it happens by the Holy Spirit. I want to show you another scripture that just kind of ties into this. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I think I do have this one up. Yep, 
You guys are on it. And you see, I have Spanish in here as well because we have uh, some Spanish-speaking people, and so we just want to make sure that so if you, that's what the Romanos is. <laughs> For those of you non-Spanish people like me. <laughs> so uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is that first part of the wineskin. It requires a washing, a renewing. It requires a cleansing. And this is that, that sacrifice that we make as we sacrifice Like we become that living sacrifice. We become holy and pleasing to him. We are washed clean. But then the second part is not anything that we can do. We do the first part. The second part is the Holy Spirit begins to do his part. And and in this, it, it says that, so do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as we become that living sacrifice, what it means is we lay down our stuff before the world. We, don't, we no longer conform to the pattern of this world. And now there's a renewing that begins to happen, and we're actually transformed into his likeness, as it co- talks about in 2 Corinthians 3. And this is that transformation that only comes by the Holy Spirit. And it comes in that rending of our heart. As we open, it's actually allowing the Holy Spirit to have access to then renew our mind. We can't renew our mind on our own. Now, we, do, we get in Scripture, but the, the letter itself actually kills. So it requires the Holy Spirit to bring life. If we just take Scripture, Satan is very good with Scripture. He can quote Scripture better than any of us. He quoted it to Jesus word for word. He used Psalm 91 for crying out loud. That's like one of our favorite scriptures, right? And, and he's using it against Jesus. So the scripture itself, be careful. But the scripture is, it is the breathe, it's the word of God, which is beautiful. And then you mix that with the Holy Spirit and you have power. Okay? So, I just, I want you to, we need to understand this, that there's this washing that happens and then the renewing is the Holy Spirit. We take the word, (laughs) the Holy Spirit uses the word, renews us, renews our mind, and then it says this, uh, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And this is the whole purpose of our life, is that we actually step into his will. We step into that river and that flow. If we're overdoing our own thing, if our mind is not renewed and we're not being that living sacrifice, then we're over here and there's a place of pride on our life and we're like, I got this. I'm going to figure this out and hopefully God's going to come with me. I don't know about you. It hasn't worked yet for me. I'm trying. Uh, (laughs) You guys may be better at it than me. Uh, And I do. I, I mean, I could tell you, I'm up here preaching to you, but I'm preaching with you. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling through these things too. So if you think I have it all figured out, and you're like, oh man, how does he have this all worked out? I don't. <laughs> you can ask my family. I don't have it figured out. <laughs> Just don't ask him today. <laughs> so here we are. I, I'm, I'm, we're, we're going from the comfort zone into the combat zone. And... Uh, I'm going to just read. So this is a, 
this is the scripture I was just actually referring to. If you can put up Mark 5, I'm sorry, Mark 7, and I just put up verses, verses 5, 8, and 13. So just follow along with me here. It says, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, and they're always trying to catch him in something. Why don't your disciples live according to tradition, the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with unclean hands? So here's that tradition part. Here's that old wineskin. And then this is what Jesus says. You have let go of the commands of God, and you are holding on to the traditions of men. And then in verse 13, he says this, thus you nullify the word of God by your traditions that have been handed down to you. And uh, in Matthew 15, 6, it says it very similarly, but it just says you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So we, we have to be so cautious that we're not walking in a place of, of traditional things, of the things that we have done because they've worked in the past. And it's hard. And the only way we actually do it is when we are led by the Spirit. And this is what I believe the Lord is teaching us in this season is actually how to be led by the Spirit, how to listen to that voice. And it's not a loud voice. There's a lot of loud voices. I can tell you that's not the Spirit. That's all the other stuff going on. And there's so many voices out there, and, and we need to be attuned to the one voice. We need to be attuned to the shepherd. And if we hear the other voices, if we let the other voices in, man, it's going to take us off. It's going to take us off track so quickly. And there's so many things, even right now, going on in the world that it is easy to get distracted by the things of this world. It's easy to get caught up. I see it with pastors all the time. I see it with, with people all the time getting so caught up in the things of this world that their eyes are not actually on Jesus. And things begin to get glorified that are not actually of the Lord in their own life, and they don't even realize it. So I want to challenge you to not allow your eyes to be taken off of Jesus, that you set your gaze upon him, and you set it like, it says, like a face that is like flint. Do not take your eyes off of him, ever. <laughs> not for a moment. Okay, you got it? All right, we can all go home. <laughs> Not yet. I got a cool story that you're going to hear. I don't know if you guys know Jake Hamilton, um, but, uh, but he's, he's, he's in this message here. He's going to share something with you. It's really cool. Um, in just a moment. The whole, so um, I, I want to I ask you this. I think for those who went out and over the last four weeks, I just, there's a few questions I just wanted to check. So... How many of you that went out, how many of you had things happen exactly as you expected? I don't see a hand up. Okay, how many of you had things happen in no way that you expected? Like in a completely different way than you expected. Okay, I, I'm, there's a lot of hands that are up. So now how many of you were blown away by what God did as you stepped out in faith or as you kind of risked things, uh, how many of you were blown away? And I got, I got both hands up. Dude, I was blown away over, these, over this past month. That's so cool. So here's the cool part. This is when we actually step into the thing, when we step into this place, it's called faith. And uh, Robbie Dock has talked about it, but it's actually, he pulls it from John Wimber. And faith is spelled R-I-S-K. 
when we actually begin to step out in that place of risking things where it's, it's not comfortable anymore, in that place of faith, what it actually does is it releases the grace of God into situations. And there's a, an anointing that's actually released that empowers you to step into the very things that you're created for. But it actually requires, your part of it is that faith. And faith without works is dead. So when you step out in that place of faith, it releases the grace of God into a situation to actually accomplish the very things that you're, you're created to accomplish. There's a lot on that that I'll have to get into at a later point in time. But let me ask you this final question. How many of you regret going out and risking? No one? No one? Okay, that's awesome. And if you... <laughs> For the people that are like, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> That's called peer pressure. <laughs> you guys fell for it. Okay. Um, I want to share with you just, just, and I know there's been so many testimonies. By the way, we do have a team out front. Uh, our interns are awesome. And they're, they want to they capture a lot of these testimonies that, uh, that we've seen that are just, that give glory to God of just the things that he's doing that we have no ability to do on our own. But I want to show you, just share with you a few quick things. There was, um, if you can put the first picture up of, uh, so this guy, his name was Robert, friendly, nice, loving man. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, never judge a book by its cover. Uh, it's amazing how we judge before we actually, <laughs> we just judge. We judge people. We see someone and we judge them immediately, right? And uh, the Lord just convicted me of this. I, I saw Robert. He was, he was downtown. Um, he was with some other people down there, and they're on the streets. This is like down by five points. And uh, that's my son, Riken. And, um, and we were, so we're out there. And there was a few people, and I was like, oh, I feel like we're supposed to go over and minister to him. But I saw this guy, Robert. And I'm like, I'll wait till he's gone, though. <laughs> and he was not the happiest camper. He was, like, just kind of crazy. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way. I got my son Riken. And so he leaves, and we go over, and we start sharing the gospel. And, like, this is so good. We're sharing Jesus. And, and Robert comes back. I was like, oh, no. Robert was the one that the Lord actually wanted me to minister to. And, and, uh, and I'm there, I think it was myself, uh, Melissa, uh, Fleury, and, and Reich, and we're, we're there. And so, um, and, and all of a sudden, we start, we start talking to this guy, and the Lord just says, begin to share about the prodigal son. And I just started, I didn't have my Bible, I didn't open anything up, I just began to share about this story about the prodigal son. And uh, he had no context of the Bible, he had no context of who Jesus was, um, but he had a context of evil. His, his wife had been murdered, and his daughter had been murdered. And, uh, and he was trying to take his life. And he had actually shot up with heroin 14 times the day before and blew out his vein. And he was at the end of his rope. He was at the end of it right there. And this was the moment that the Lord had established for, for us to come in at that very time and share the gospel with this man. And I almost missed it because I judged the book by its cover. And so I just want to encourage you that when you go, oh, they're not ready, don't you make that call. Let the Lord make that call. All you do 
is you shine like a light and hold out the word of life. This man right there started weeping, received Jesus right on the streets. We got to take him back here. We got to bless him. Uh, Michael, where's Michael's Michael? There's Michael that ended up taking him down to the springs. He, he took him out to, uh, uh, to Chili's and they had dinner together and uh, I got him a cell phone. We hooked him up with clothes and food. He had, he had everything stolen from him the day before. I don't know that he would have made it another day. I don't believe he would have. But God brought us in at that opportune time. Nothing that we did, we're just that, that empty vessel, right? But we have the all-surpassing power of God on the inside of us. Another guy that, so just last week, if you can put up the next picture, um, this, guy's, uh, this guy's name is Ty. Just beautiful heart, man. This guy was amazing. He was downtown, same kind of area down there. And, uh, and we just were down there, and, and he had a basketball. And I just started talking to him, hey, where are you playing basketball? And he's like, well, I was playing right over here, uh, but my shoulder got completely messed up. He's like, I can't even lift my shoulder up, can't do anything. And uh, so I was there with Caitlin, my daughter, and then uh, uh, Zion, which was, is Marcus's daughter. And so it was just the three of us. And, uh, and I just said, well, have you ever seen a miraculous healing? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, I believe the Lord's going to actually heal your shoulder right now. You're going to experience a miraculous healing because of his love for you. And I was like, so Zion, you're going to pray for him. Because <laughs> if it doesn't happen, I'm going to blame it on Zion, not myself. <laughs> Just a little technique. If you want to use it, it's great. Bring somebody else, tell them that God's going to heal him, and then have somebody else pray for him. <laughs> Takes the pressure off. <laughs> So, so, so we prayed, and she prayed, and it's funny. I heard later, I don't know, Zion here? Oh, there she is. <laughs> so, so I heard later that she was expecting me to kind of come in and, and pray after that, and, uh, and no, I was like, no, it's, it's all her. It's on her. She's got, <laughs> it doesn't work, and so Zion prayed, and Caitlin and I were there, and so the three of us, we just laid hands on him, and we prayed for him. And, uh, and he's like, well, thanks. I'm like, no, no, no. Check it out right now. And here's this place of if I'm, I'm kind of putting God on the spot, right? Uh, it's not me. It's nothing that I can do. Uh, but, but that's this place of risking it right there. And I'm not even really risking it. I mean, what am I risking? Like that it doesn't happen and the guy goes, oh, this guy's an idiot. Like, so what? But what if it does happen? And, and we have a God, if we know who our God is, and we know that he's a loving God, and we know that he's a God that heals, and we know that we have authority on this earth to actually bring healing into situations, why would we not take that risk? So Zion prays, he checks it out, and he goes, wow, that's, that's a lot better. <laughs> like, really? Like, are you just saying that? I always ask, like, are you just being nice? He's like, no, really, it's a lot better. It still hurts. And I'm like, Okay. So I just shared a testimony about how we prayed for this other guy and uh, his bicep was torn and uh, he couldn't move his arm and, and we prayed the first time, it was a partial healing and then we prayed the second time and then completely healed right there on the spot. And so I'm sharing this testimony and I'm like, well, I'm you know, thinking, well, we're gonna have to pray again. Literally, as I'm sharing the testimony, God heals his arm completely and totally. And as, so I'm like, well, let's pray again. He's like, well, wait. No, 
pain's gone, completely and totally gone. And I'm like, well, that's the power of God. That's his love for you. And guess what? There's more to that that he wants to actually walk with you on a daily basis. And so I'm like, do you want to know this, Jesus? And he's like, yes, I do. <laughs> so, so we're about to pray, and this lady comes out of nowhere and interrupts us in our beautiful prayer time. And, and comes running down, and the three of us are there, and she goes, she goes, quick, come down here. And about a half block away, there's a guy who's having a seizure on the ground, a full, like, full-on seizure. And so, so I'm like, oh, no. Like, here's the opportunity. We're going to miss it. But the guy's like, <laughs> Ty was like, well, let's go. I mean, he had literally just experienced this healing. He had a lot more faith than I did at that point. <laughs> We're still kind of blown away. And uh, so we run over there, uh, all of us. And, there, so, and I see this guy, and he's laying down sideways. His eyes are rolled back, tongues out, and shaking uncontrollably. And everyone's just standing around. And you're like, oh, dear Lord. And all I'm thinking is, somebody call the ambulance. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, wait, we just prayed and God healed. <laughs> so so just, we just laid hands on him and just be, begin to command peace and command healing into his body right there. And I'm telling you, within like three seconds, everything stopped. And he just, he stopped and he just, he just kind of just, he went from this like convulsion just to boom and just stopped. And, uh, and he was, I'm telling you, it was about 120 degrees, his body. I was like, oh, my gosh. I have never felt someone this hot. And, uh, and we kept praying. And probably, I don't know, it's hard to tell time when you're in the middle of that. But maybe 30 seconds went by. And all of a sudden, it literally went from like 120 degrees to like cold. It was, it was unbelievable. And he sits up. And we give him a, a, just a bottle of water. And we just prayed over him. And he was still, he wasn't, he wasn't talking. He just kind of sat there, eyes open, like just, I mean, he had been through it. And uh, so we go back over, and I'm like, well, Ty, do you still want to receive Jesus? <laughs> He's like, yes. Beautiful man. We're going to connect with him. I've got, we've been texting back and forth. And here's the cool thing. He, he texted me that night, and he goes, he goes, after you left, he goes, I went over and immediately played two games of 21 and won them both. <laughs> won both games. And he goes, he goes, I'm blown away. He goes, and the, my friends, he goes, I'm telling all my friends about this. And he goes, he, he actually repeated basically what I'd said about that. I said, hey, freely you've received, now freely give. And so he's just now sharing the gospel with people. And uh, so just an uh, amazing story of, of God's just goodness. And, and look, we didn't do anything except just step out in that place of faith, right? And, and let God do what he wants to do. But I'm telling you, a lot of times it's easy to stop even with the healing. Never stop just with the healing because at the end of the day, they're still going to hell. It's, and it's not about being offensive or, well, I should just let that be. Maybe the next person can come along. No, there may not be a next person. You are that next person. You're that person that at least give them the opportunity. At least ask the question. And this is something that the Lord has just been stirring in my heart lately, that I never walk away from a situation like that, even praying over someone, without, without at least saying, do you want to know this Jesus? And I can tell you, more, than, more often than not, 
they do say, I want to know that Jesus. Which then I'm like, no, really? Because <laughs> like, most people would say, no, get away from me. But no. And especially after something like that. I mean, this guy's like, oh, my gosh. I saw what happened with my shoulder or felt it. And now I saw what happened with that guy. Yes, I want whatever this is. <laughs> he got to experience the power of the Holy Spirit twice. And so I just want to encourage you that we get to walk in these things day in and day out. This is not a one-time occurrence where we go out on Sundays and do this. The hope is, is that we begin to walk in this moment by moment, day by day, that we're seeing God move, we're seeing healings, we're seeing people come into the kingdom. This is the life that we're actually called to live. And, and, and let me say, sometimes we think, well, I don't really know my part. Like, do I have a part in this? God is not a God who messes up. He didn't accidentally create you for this time. He didn't go, well, shoot, uh, he's already on the earth, I'll just leave him. He'll, <laughs> he'll just kind of have to play with all the other people and, you know, whatever. No, you were created for such a time as this. You were, your very nature of who you are is, is meant for right now. But how many of us are not stepping into the right now? If, let me ask you, are you living, you believe, do you believe right now that you are living the fullness of everything that God created you for? Why not? And I'm with you, my hand's down. <laughs> I have it up, but it's down. This is that we're going to desire more of the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to desire more of operating with the Spirit. We're going to desire more of going after what God desires for us that we would actually walk in everything that He has for us. Right? Why not? Why do you think that we would be created in His image for this very time to go, well, we're going to just live this blah life and every once in a while we get this really cool thing that happens and the rest of our life is going to be really boring and we're going to work all the time and we're just... No! This is not who our God is, but it is, it's something that we actually have to make the choice to say, okay, God, I want what you want for my life. This is about that dying to ourself. If we live for ourselves, we will never actually step into the very things we're created for. So die. <laughs> okay, I don't know where I am, but I, I need to get to a certain point here because I got to share where we're going here. Um, let me say this. I, the other thing I felt like the Lord said is that, that we're in this, it's a countdown launch sequence. And if you know anything about launch sequences, which I don't, but I just learned, uh, it, there's, there's a purpose to the countdown. It's not just, hey, let's count down, and once we get to zero, we'll hit the button and launch. There's actually, all throughout a countdown, there are different procedures and different things that happen. I looked it up, and this is what it says. A countdown is a carefully devised set of procedures ending with the ignition of a rocket's engine. And then it says, depending on the type of vehicle used, countdowns can, can start from 72 to 96 hours before the launch time. But the key, there's key events that take place at each milestone once the countdown begins. And, and I just, I felt like the Lord was using this to show us, like, we're in a countdown sequence and there are things that are happening right now that we need to be aware of. And he's like, okay, you need to check this. You need to go through this. You need to set this in place. And then you're going to move on to the next phase. You're going to move on to the next part. And then you need to put this in place. I was looking at the Falcon 9 spacecraft, which I believe was the one that launched back in May, right? Um, 
but there's like, so at, at 10 hours, you got this, the countdown's initiated, the launch vehicle is powered up. And then at six hours, you got the, the weather balloon that's released. Uh, it's the first weather balloon that's released. And make sure that the weather's in place for the launch. At three hours, you got a launch area evacuation. At three hours, they got to clear everything out. So these are things that happen along the way. At 28 minutes, you got this range readiness check where you got the Air Force and the Coast Guard are in place for the launch. At nine minutes, you got the ignition startup or system startup. So you're, you're beginning to, to now get, the, get everything moving here, making sure checking everything's in place. At seven minutes, the spacecraft is, is on internal power. So now you're, uh, everything's going to internal power. Then you got the self-alignment verification and the final engine check at a minute and 30 seconds. And this is that like, okay, God, am I aligned with you? Because we're about to launch. Is there a complete alignment? And I think this is part of what he's doing right now is bringing us into that full alignment so that when we launch, we'll actually, it'll be a successful launch. Uh, you do not want an unsuccessful launch. It would be a disaster. The, and then at three seconds, it says Merlin engine ignition. And then at zero seconds, it's launch. And I believe this launch that the Lord is actually doing, there is a, <laughs> so many prophetic words on this. Uh, but there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's going, to be, that's going to come. We have never experienced anything like this before. And, and, and when it hits, <laughs> the question is, is will we be ready? And I believe even what he's, so what he's taking us through right now is this preparation. It's step by step as we're going through and we're preparing for what the Lord is about to do. And you go, well, you know, we've talked about this. I, it's, it's like, as I was praying about it, I felt like it's kind of like the days of Noah. And I know that in the last days it says when the Son of Man comes, like it'll be like the days of Noah. But I believe that there are times like this where it's like the days of Noah, where, where we can get so caught up in the things we're doing. We're busy with the day-to-day -day things that we don't actually see the times and the seasons that we're in. We're not aware of what the Lord is doing and actually about to launch. And if we don't actually step into this launch sequence, if we don't do this, I believe we're going to miss out on a lot of what the Lord is actually going to do in this next season. And I don't know when this next season is. I've heard, I mean, it could be anywhere from 10 years from now. It could be next week. I, I, don't, I don't know. But I do know that <laughs> I want my heart prepared. I want everything prepared so that when it does happen, and I believe there is a grace that he wants, but, but there's also, he's going to hit the launch button at some point in time. And those that are ready and prepared, I believe there's gonna, they're going to receive that outpouring. They're going to experience that outpouring. And those that are not are going to miss it. And I know that's harsh, but I, that's, that's just, <laughs> it's the way it is. Okay, so... This next phase, this next in this in this launch sequence, this is what I, I believe the Lord's teaching us is is how to actually open up our homes. Everyone's quiet. <laughs> like, okay, that's not a good part of the launch sequence. <laughs> I was I was good up till you guys were cheering up till then. Now it's quiet. <laughs> supposed to go, yeah. No, but here's the thing. Our home is that sacred place, right? It's, that, it's the place where we go to to kind of like get away from the rest of the world and get away from people. And, and I believe that that's not what we as believers are supposed to do. We need to open up our homes. And uh, it, it, especially this day and age, I just see like with social media, 
we only show people our best side, right? We don't, like, take the video of when, every, when there's, like, a blow-up in the house and everybody's yelling and screaming, hey, look at us. <laughs> the Paulimus family is having a wonderful day. <laughs> like, now we show our best times of on vacation and everybody's smiling and everybody's happy. But when you invite people into your home, things get real. And, uh, and I believe, one, it's going to help us to actually see things in a, in a new way. Uh, but also, when you invite people into your home, it, it, you're bringing them into family. And there's, there's a, uh, I read this just recently, 95% of people who come to know the Lord do so as, indi- like, as individual relationships. So from a family member or from a friend, which requires that, that family connection of Bring them in the home. Open up your home. If 95% of the people actually come to the Lord this way, I'm like, well, obviously, the Lord's going to show us how to do this and teach us how to do this. We saw it. We see it in Acts. We see it uh, quite a bit in Acts, where uh, even Acts 2.2. So here, the Holy Spirit's poured out, right? This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it says, suddenly, this is Acts 2.2. It says, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, which means that they were in a home, somebody's home. Right after that, Acts 2.46 and 47 says, day after day they met in the temple. So this is, you see, they're meeting in the temple daily. And then it says, continuing in one mind, that's that spirit of unity, and then breaking bread in various private homes. So they were, they're meeting in the temple. There's that, that time of like gathering together. But I think the one thing that we miss is that meeting in the homes. Now, this is, it can be meeting with your buddies and your friends. But this is not what we're doing. This is not what we're talking about. This is not bring all your friends over and just hang out. This is what the Lord gave, he gave me two words. He says it's unconventional and it's intentional. So we're going to be unconventional in the way we do things. This is not like doing church in our home the way we're supposed to do church in our home, but it is completely intentional. There is a great commission that we're called to, and as we bring people into our home, don't just talk about the weather and about sports. Talk about Jesus. Share Jesus. But don't do it, don't do it in a, <laughs> well, I brought you over here to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, they'll be weird. Christy and I were talking about this. If, um, and I know some people are in the multi-marketing, but I've been in those situations where I've been invited over, like, and you're like, oh, they want to just hang out. And I get into the situation, I'm like, oh, they're giving me the sales pitch. <laughs> Don't be that person where, like, you know, you get them in the home and then you're like, so let me tell you about this Jesus that I know. And they're like, oh, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right? But there is, this is where we're led by the Spirit. This is where we ask, and here's the thing. Listen to their story. Get to know them. and Don't just like blow them up with Jesus. Get to know their story, and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the areas. Maybe they just need prayer into a certain area in their life. And let the Holy Spirit minister to them. It's kind of like that guy, Ty. I didn't go and go, hey, you need to know Jesus. I said, hey, do you want to receive healing? He's like, yeah. It was funny because I was telling him, I'm like, I told him all these testimonies of other people that had been healed. And he's like, well, call them up. <laughs> I want that healing. I'm like, well, it's actually Jesus. <laughs> so I'll call him up and we'll get the healing. Uh, but so where was I? 
The sales pitch, thank you, yeah. So don't do it as a sales pitch. Listen, it's, the, it's that Stephen Covey, what is it? Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Understand them. Get to know who they are and then go, Holy Spirit, how do I gain access into their heart? Not as a sales pitch, but as like you're throwing out a life preserver. You're throwing out life to them. And, and, it's, and ask the Lord that you would have his heart in this. And so it's not like, hey, I'm trying to get this out. I'm trying to sell this. I'm going to check this off. And look, I got an, I, you know, someone else saved. This is not what it's about. What it's about, it's about saving lives. It's about bringing people into the kingdom. And when we have a heart for people, when we have a true compassion and love for people, it should just overflow out of us. That the, and it's, here's the thing I think sometimes it happens. We have a love deficit. We don't actually understand the love of God. And when we don't understand the love of God, it's hard to actually go, you need this love. If we truly had this understanding of the lavish love of God that is for us, that, that his son actually died for us, that we can live this life we should be telling everybody about this. This should be the overflow of like, oh my gosh, you, I can't leave you until you know about this Jesus because he's so amazing. And here's the other thing is you don't have to tell them how they need Jesus. Tell about your own testimony and say, look, this is how Jesus impacted my life. Okay, I got to get to this part here. Um, I want you to see this, this story. So I was talking with Jake Hamilton. I don't know if you know Jake. He is a character, man. He is, he is awesome. So talented. Um, has such an imagination. This is a guy that uh, he, was, um, he was actually offered a, high, like a position from, from Disney and ended up not taking it. The Lord just took him another direction. Um, but such imagination. So here I am. I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, okay, Jake, like, this is what I feel like the Lord's doing. And, and, and he goes, well, why don't you tell a story about it? And so I was like, okay, yeah. He's like, you know, Jesus, Jesus told stories all the time. They weren't even true. He just told stories. I was like, yeah. I never really thought about it. We call them parables. So like, these are parables. They're just made up stories. <laughs> Jesus made up stories to make his point. And uh, so, so we've got a made up story here that you're going to hear that I believe is going to really make a point here as we're going to, as the Lord is calling us into the season of, of opening up our homes and sharing our lives with others. So can you roll that? There's a story about a man named Joe from downtown. He worked in a nice office building, had a nice job, had a nice chair at his desk, had a Nice family, had three nice kids, had a nice house, paid his taxes, was a good guy. Joe was also a religious guy. He'd go to church every single week, loved taking care of the poor, loved doing extracurricular church activities. You know, all the ones that nobody else wants to show up to, he's the one who showed up. And the thing about Joe is he wanted to share his faith really bad with a guy named Emmett who he had worked with for three years. But there's something you should know about Joe. Joe had a three-foot bird sitting on his shoulder. 
And it was not just any bird. It was the ugliest bird you have ever seen in your entire life. It had a rock for a beak. It looked like one of those misshapen potatoes you get at the bottom of the bag. And it opened only to insult Joe. Yell at Joe. Not whisper, but insult. This thing's three foot tall, rock for a beak, yellow eyes, black matted, dirty feathers. And it insulted Joe like crazy. But Joe really wanted to talk to Emmett about his faith and about his religious experiences. And one day, Joe got enough courage to do just that. He walked over to Emmett, who he has known for three years. They've spent loads of time together, both in and out of work. And as he went up to Joe, the bird became more and more and more insulting, 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 talking about his mom. I mean, it was awful. It was really, really insulting. But he overcame for just a moment to say, Emmett, I would love for you to come to dinner at my house. Would you be able to come tonight at six, an hour after work? Emmett said yes, and Joe said good, and he ran away. He actually left work early. He was so stressed out, and this bird just kept yelling at him. This bird had been there for years, and here's the crazy part. Emmett was about to come over to his house, but you have to know a few things about uh, Joe's house, okay? So Emmett shows up, knocks on the door, knocks on the door. Joe opens the door with the bird on his shoulder, still insulting him. And just as Joe opened the door, there was a one foot little ogre that ran up and started kicking Emmett in the shins, started kicking him, literally kicking him in the shins. Well, you know, obviously Joe is freaking out, embarrassed, grabs the little ogre, says, come on in, you know, it's good. Come in, come in, come in. Takes the little ogre, sets him in a little chair that I guess he had made for him, you know, because this has happened so much, sets him in a corner, says, stay there, don't move. But he's got the bird on the shoulder, the ogre there, and just as he's putting the little ogre in the corner, he turns around only to see a seven-foot suit of armor that also dwells in Joe's house, a seven foot suit of armor with a giant sword that is now standing in front of his friend Emmett. He is standing there and won't let him quite get to the table, you know? And, and so Emmett is Emmett standing there kind of walking toward the table. This giant suit of armor is right in front of him with a giant sword. Joe runs over. He, he grabs, you know, and then he's like, hey man, you know, let's go. This is your seat right over here. Walks him around the giant suit of armor. Sets him down at the table with his lovely family. But there's something else now sitting at the table as well, and it is the ugliest hag you have ever seen. I am not talking about Joe's wife. I'm actually talking about another woman that is sitting there who has a nose that looks kind of like a banana that's coming out, and when she turns, she kind of hits everyone in the room, so when she turns, she like hits her wife, hits, hits, Joe, hits, hits Joe, and she's got... Fingers that are like, you know, seven inches long with nails that have never been cut. She's filthy, dirty, matted gray hair, super tiny, super skinny, and dressed completely inappropriately. And here's the worst part about this hag. Every single time she takes a bite of food, she throws it up on the table. I mean, this is a scene. And, and you know, Joe's there just trying to start conversation. Hey, how's the food? And Emmett's like, it's great. It's good to see you guys. His wife and him are making small talk. The kids are kind of eating. But there's a woman vomiting out of the table. There is a giant suit of armor that is now standing behind Emmett, standing there, stoic with its sword. There's a little ogre in the corner. And have we forgotten about the bird that's three foot tall with the matted black feathers is still sitting on Joe's shoulders in so him. This is a scene, but it then gets worse. Literally in the basement of Joe's house is a giant, and the door was left open, and 
Out of nowhere, a giant arm reaches out and a shoulder out of the basement grabs his friend Emmett from the table and swallows him whole. Swallows him whole. Well, now, you know, Joe doesn't know what to do. He runs up, goes down into the basement, punches the, punches the giant in the stomach. Punches him. Just doesn't know what else to do. You know, like a little kid just beating on somebody's stomach. Well, the giant in the basement throws him up. He's back at the table, covered in slime. Emmett is just covered in slime. Can you imagine the scene? The old hag throwing up, knocking things over with her nose and her long fingers. The bird on the shoulder, the ogre in the corner, the suit of armor that is standing behind Emmett with the giant sword. Joe has now locked the giant in the basement. There's a big bolt on the door. He's stuck down there, but his friend is covered in slime. They're trying to have a conversation. He just wants to say church, just wants to say Jesus, and he can't get anything out of his mouth except for, I hope you had a nice time. Emmett said, I did. He gets up and Emmett leaves the house and then Joe sits down on the couch completely broken that this night was a disaster of ultimate proportion. And as he's sitting there, he has a few thoughts. But first, there's something you should know. There's actually a few things you should know about these creatures that live in Joe's house. First of all, they didn't start that big. They started out very small. And actually, Joe met them when he was a kid. He met them when they were almost little pets. They were kind of cute. They were great companions to him. They were great friends. And so he fed them. And then what he found out is they needed to be fed a lot. So he started feeding them every day, lots and lots and lots of food. They had to be continually fed and they always wanted more and they always seemed hungry. And so he had to keep feeding them in order to keep them around because they, they kind of tended to trail off if you didn't feed them. So he kept feeding them because he needed them close. They, they kind of felt like they were the only ones that understood him. But there's something else you really do need to know about the creatures that live in Joe's house. And that is they're all invisible. Nobody else can see them, but, but Joe. Joe's the only one who can see them. And there's a third thing you should know, that each one of these creatures has a name. It came with a name when he met them in childhood. That big bird that's sitting on his shoulder, his name is Insecurity. And that little ogre that kicks everyone that comes into Joe's life, his name is Fear. And that suit of armor that showed up, that stood in the way of his friend Emmett, his name is Pride. And that old hag that's throwing up at the table, her name is Doubt. And that giant that he keeps locked in the basement, his name is Shame. And as Joe sat there on the couch, he had an epiphany that night. He got a little perspective change. And he started looking around the room and he looked at his kids and noticed that their knees had bruises on them from being kicked by fear. And he looked at his wife and she was covered with some of the slime from the inside of the giant that lived in the basement. And then he looked down at his own shins and they were more bruised than anyone else's. And he was covered in more slime than anyone else. And that suit of armor is standing as close as it possibly can to him. And Joe just wept. He wept and wept. And he thought, what, what, what am I supposed to do? It was said, from that day forward, 
every one of those creatures began to starve to death. So there's only one question left. Now that you've heard the story, what are you going to do with it? This begins to hit home, I think, in our own lives as we see just these areas of our life and the things maybe that we've been feeding. I know we go, well, these are, I don't have a one-foot ogre. I don't have a three-foot bird on me. But how often are you hearing those words as you're going to maybe ask somebody into your home or share the gospel with them or do something where, where you're hearing those thoughts, you're hearing those things, and a lot of times we're we're feeding those things. And the big one, even though it's the little one, is, is that, that fear, that fear of man, which creates, the, I mean, there's insecurity in that. And there's, and that, there's that, I love the, <laughs> I don't love it, but that, that giant in the basement, it's that shame that <laughs> you try to lock in your basement, but every once in a while it pops out. And, uh, and so it's, it keeps us from, from letting people into our lives, into our homes, into our family, because because you don't want those things to to affect the people that 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 maybe you get to you get to know. It's better if you keep your distance. You can see them at you know at at work or at the gym or wherever you are, but but not in your home. That's just a little too close to home. <laughs> Uh, my prayer is that, that this would kind of, what we just saw here would begin to just shake us up a little bit. That we would see some of these things that are actually in our own lives that are keeping us from the very things that God actually has for us to do. That, that fear, there's a quote from Mark Twain, he says this, do the very thing you fear the most, and the death of fear is certain. That's that place of risk and of faith and of stepping out in the face of fear that we actually do those things, and, it, and you realize after you do them. Just like I asked, the, the, the last question was, how many of you regret going out and stepping out in faith? And there was not one hand that went up. I've never once in my life regretted going up to someone, sharing the gospel with them, praying with them. But there are many times that I regretted not sharing the gospel with someone, not letting them know about something that I had that I could offer to them that would bring them life. I had a friend at a company I worked with back in Kansas City, Black and Beach. His name was John, and I'd see him all the time. He was on my team, and... and uh, Really neat guy. Went through a hard time. Had a divorce, separation, and they wasn't going to get the kids, and some tough things were going on. And, man, I'd, I'd go with him and talk with him, and even like, hey, just I'll pray with you. Never once did I share the gospel with him. Went in one morning, and John wasn't there. And uh, it's like, where's John? Found out that he had taken his life. 
the day before. I had so many opportunities to share the gospel with him. And I was the one guy that could do it, and his heart was open to it, and I never did. And it's, it's those moments that, that haunt me, that I go, I never want to miss an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. You don't know if you're the last person that, 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 you're, that, that gets to share, that has the opportunity to share the gospel. So my encouragement is don't let the bird who's on your shoulder or the little ogre that's kicking your feet or that, that hag that's throwing up at the table that's doubt, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this or that. They, you know, that big, that big stoic, you know, armor, uh, uh, what was it, the, the pride. Yeah, that's the big one, right? That pride is a killer. Or don't let that shame, don't let those things actually hold you back. And stop feeding them for crying out loud. <laughs> We've got to stop feeding that stuff. <laughs> there's, there's a scripture in, in Proverbs 29. It says, it's 29.25. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is actually kept safe. I put the actually in there. Is kept safe. So don't allow the fear of man to be something that holds you back from the very things as you trust in the Lord. He will keep you safe. And he will actually show you things that go beyond your own imagination. So I want to encourage you. Actually, let me just read one more scripture here. This is Romans 12, 9. Um, we can put that up. These are such good words. This is in the NLT. It says this. Don't just pretend to love others. It's a lot of times what we can do, right? Oh, yeah, we'll just we'll love them, but not really. Because here's the thing is if you love your neighbor, You'll invite them into your home. You'll, it doesn't matter about your stuff. Who cares how clean your house is or how good the food is? The point is, is that, that they come in and that you get to have relationship with them. We say this all the time. Kingdom moves at the speed of relationship. It's about relationship. And so we got we to gotta just let these things go. So don't pretend to love others. Don't pretend to love your neighbors. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but let the Spirit excite you as you serve the Lord. It's a cool translation. Let the Spirit excite you as you serve the Lord. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. It's that perseverance. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. It's interesting, that word hospitality in the definition, it's the readiness to share hospitality by entering into one's home. So just a few instructions here. As we, next week, uh, next Sunday... We're not going to be having a, a picnic here. We are going to have a short just service, probably be 45 minutes to an hour. The idea is we're going to just worship the Lord. 
we're going to actually pray for the lost. We're going to ask the Lord of the harvest for labors. We need labors. And then I'm going to ask you guys to go home. And, and even during this week, begin to ask the Lord who, he's, who he wants you to invite in your home. And there's going to be many people. There's going to be multiple people. But we're going to begin, we're going to learn how to open our homes up to those that don't know Jesus. Or maybe those that have just walked away. And you can always, I mean, you, you always have your buddies over, right? You have your friends over, you do that. But this is, this is intentional about actually inviting those in that don't know Jesus. Maybe it's a neighbor that you don't get along with. Ha ha. <laughs> and the Lord's going to really convict you of that. And the one that you're like, not him. He's not the one. He may actually be the exact one that the Lord has for you to minister to in this time. And you're actually living in the place you're living because he set you up to actually bring this person into the kingdom, to reveal Jesus' love to them, and you're the one. So don't discount it and don't write it off. Instructions, keep it simple. As you ask the Lord, don't complicate things. Don't over... Don't overcomplicate it. It's going to be easy to come up with excuses. I just wrote a few. Here's a few excuses. I'm an introvert. It's not my calling. It's not my nature to do this. Leave it to the extroverts. <laughs> Here's another one. I, I don't know my neighbors, or I don't really like my neighbors. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a neighbor isn't, Jesus even talks about the neighbor isn't necessarily the one that you live next to. It's the one who's right in front of you. Might be a coworker. Might be someone that you know your kids go to school with, or something. Or, you know, it, who knows? The Lord will con- the Lord will put it on your heart, and, and don't push it away, because I, I know the first response is going to be like, "Oh no, not that." It's <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> so just as soon as you feel that, and here's the thing: don't delay, don't wait. Take the opportunity just to invite them right away. Ask your spouse later if it was okay. It's all right. (laughs) This is about opening our home up. Why? For the kingdom. Because we're laying down our own lives. It's not about us any longer. It's about the king. It's about stepping into that place and using the very things that we've been given to expand the kingdom and to glorify God. Another one is my house isn't set up for this. So what? So what if it's not perfect? I don't have enough time or or I don't know who to invite or uh, I have too much work going on right now. Those are all great excuses. Don't let those things actually hold you back. Don't let that bird be louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit. So be non-conventional, be intentional. Share the love of Jesus with them. Pray for them even before they come over. Ask the Lord to just to open their heart. Ask the Lord to reveal how you can actually share the gospel with them. Ask him to give you boldness that you would fearlessly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Ask him. He, asks, he tells us to ask him. So ask him. He'll do it. He'll give you everything you need. He'll equip you. It's not about you. This is the thing we have to get over. It's not about you. Allow him to move through you. Can you guys stand? I'm just going to pray, pray this over you as we close. I'm sorry I went over here, but I, this was important. This makes up. Since we've been going short, this was the long one. So 
next week we'll go short again. Thank you, Lord. Can you guys just put your hands out? So this is what I just, I'm going to pray over us. Lord, first of all, I just I thank you for what you're doing with us as the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you that we all have a place. Lord, you're anointing each one of us. And we're not all the same. We all do things differently. There is no, there's no way to do this. There's no method to do this. We're all created uniquely, but in the image of God. So, Lord, may we not try to figure out a formula or a, or a, or a way that seems to work, but that, that even if it's worked in the past, Lord, that we would lay it down and we would say, Lord, we just want to hear your spirit. We want to move by your spirit. We thank you that even in our own lives, you're continually doing the new things, that we would be that renewed wineskin that houses your presence, that houses the wine, that is anointed by you for the very things of today to accomplish the things of tomorrow. So if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Lord, I pray that we would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, and this is the key, in that place of humility of going low, that we would consider others better than ourselves. That each one of us would look not only to our own interests, but we would actually look to the interests of others. And in this, that we would have the attitude of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us that attitude of humility that we would surrender everything to you and that we would live our lives for you, with you, walking in step with you. So I thank you, Lord, for that anointing. I thank you for that empowering. I thank you that you call us to be kings and priests in this season, that you give us the understanding of a king to operate and to actually steward your kingdom well. May we steward your kingdom as kings and priests on this earth. I pray a blessing over every person. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for the opportunities we're going to have throughout this week. And it may not be Sunday that they, you have them in your home. It may be on another day of the week. It's okay. It's unconventional, but be intentional. Lord, I thank you that you're going to have your way. We say, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.